So today, SummerSlam is happening. And while I have no idea what the outcomes will be, I do know that we have part four of a novice's guide posting up right now with this. So we wanted to take it and let it kind of cap off on the day of the event that we've been covering for about the past month. And hopefully you get a chance to give it a listen before all the main show and the main stuff starts. Um... Miss Nancy and I really did have a lot of fun, and we once again want to thank Mr. Pop Culture Junkie for joining us and talking about SummerSlam and kind of giving us a little bit of a lesson on on the event. So, without a further ado, here is part four of a novice Nancy novice guide to professional wrestling. Enjoy. Guide to Professional Wrestling SummerSlam Edition. We're actually going to name it this time. <laughs> it is an official title now. Only took till part four to get there. Right. <laughs> Great. Go us. Figuring out names too late. It's kind of how we got stuck with ours. You know what? But it works. We got this. Anyway, we are joined once again, continuing on with Mr. Pop Culture slash Pro Wrestle Junkie himself. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome to the show, everyone that's listening. And we're going to today go over Mr. Junkie's list of his top seven SummerSlam matches and talk a little bit about the current, is it, I guess, current edition of SummerSlam? Is that the proper way to say it? Yeah, this year's, as they call it nowadays, WWE's biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. That's their slogan gotcha so we're gonna try to talk a little bit about some matches i think that's a little overkill for a slogan well that's wwe for you come on now i think the entire i think the entire part of wwe is uh just a little too much overkill that's why it's entertaining wwe loves to beat a dead horse okay that is their real moniker so yes see maybe that's why wwf had such an issue with them being called WWF because they were beating dead horses. Hey, Quite possibly. <laughs> Could we cover World Wrestling Entertainment in Entertainment? I mean, anything's possible with a title like Entertainment. <laughs> so glad I've got you saying that. Anyway, Mr. Junkie, what? let's go over your list here. Um, run me down your top seven. Okay, so top seven, we're going to start off with a Triple threat WWE title match that took place at SummerSlam 1999. And this was a matchup of the champion Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H versus Mankind. Now, the interesting for... Oh, I'm sorry. I left off one key thing. Special referee for this match was the current governor of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Ventura. Or Jesse the Mind Ventura, as he's later been called. Now, this match... That? Real quickly, I know all of those names, and I think I've said it before, but wow. um, I still love Mankind. I still love Mick Foley. As someone who's not a wrestling fan, I still think Mick Foley is one of my favorite names in wrestling. Oh, he's one of the greatest of all times, and you know he'll he'll say it all the time. He's one of the greatest of all times that never should have been, but he he is just as a human being as well as a wrestler is just you know one of the greatest. Period. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to throw that out there. I actually know man. I loved mankind growing up and his uh, his sock puppet. Oh yeah, Mr. Sacco. <laughs> so this this show, this matchup was very interesting for a few reasons. Number one, this wasn't the final. This was not the first plans for the matchup. The original first plans, believe it or not, this is in '99 during the the height of the Attitude Era. Okay, I, the Monday Night Wars was going super strong. WCW versus versus WWF. Yep, I remember and, that. And you had everything from Stone Cold flipping off people, drinking beer. You had D-Generation X telling people to suck it. You had, you know, hot uh, divas that were fo- more focused on being divas than wrestlers like they are nowadays. So 
you know, it was kind of like the wild, wild west of wrestling back in the day. And uh, interesting concept that they had for this uh, matchup was originally they were going to have Stone Cold Steve Austin defend the world title against the ninth one of the world, China. That oh. would have been great. That would, that have, would been have been amazing. Fun. Yes. I like China. Love it. I know China. Love China. And I know Stone Cold Steve Austin. Those are both names I know and have faith. So I would have been all for it. There you <laughs> go. Stone Cold said so. I mean, it would have been it would have been the first time to ever have a female compete against the world champion. That would have been has, just groundbreaking right there. Has Feminism, it happened since, Has it happened like since that was planned? Has that actually happened where she where a woman's taken on the male world champion? No, not that I know of any. No. WWE, um, make it happen because that would just be cool. This is this is 2019. Come on, WWE, get your stuff together. Well, I mean, you can't put a whole lot of faith in WWE to be the groundbreakers because uh, they just last year had their first ever all women's pay per view, and another company called TNA did that like ten years before that. So, <laughs> total nonstop action. <laughs> I know yeah. that name for some reason. Yep. Oh, you dug into the corners of your mind for that one. Yeah, some random association I remember with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the other thing about this matchup, though, is they made it a triple threat match uh, because uh, Stone Cold in real life, by this time, okay, Stone Cold had been on just a white streak of just the hottest thing hitting wrestling in in the history of wrestling. And so just like anybody, no matter who you are, you become the the guy the top person and you're untouchable eventually you're going to get too big for your britches your head's going to be too big for your body you're just going to be like you know what i i can uh i can do what i want say what i want and if i don't want to do something i'm just not going to do it it's better for business i I don't care you know you're everyone gets that that big head moment and stone cold started to get in that position where it was like "Eh, i don't feel like doing things this way or that way and the plans were for Austin versus Triple H after they got rid of the uh, China idea. And then uh, he was going to lose the title and he didn't want to lose to Triple H back, you know, backstory behind this. He did not want a job for Triple H. He didn't think Triple H was ready to be the the world champion. So do do you just real quick, do you think he would have been ready to be the world champion at that point in his career? I mean, I thought he was doing great. He was great with DX and, he did get his singles runs as Intercontinental Champion, being champion or whatnot. And, you know, I thought, okay, it's his turn. They already made Stone Cold. They made The Rock, Mankind. Those had all been champions up, uh, prior to this. And Triple H had kind of been just floating in the mid-card. So I was like, it's, it's time. And I always enjoyed Triple H. I liked him with China. I thought they were a great power couple. And, yeah, I was like, make Triple H a champion. But... <laughs> Austin did not want a job to Triple H at the uh, show. So they made a triple threat so that Mankind would pin Austin and Mankind won the title in the match. So he was okay to job for Mankind, but not for Triple H. (laughs) Yes. And you can tell because the very next night on Raw, the next day, Mankind lost the title to Triple H. It was a fleeting, it was a fleeting moment. I yep. think I actually watched in that match as a history. kid because I remember growing up as a kid and then that era of the Attitude Era of when I was, you know, around 11, 12 years old, watching wrestling with my uncle. I won't go into that. That's, no. Anyway, so I remember Our watching it with him, but we never, um, we never did the pay-per-views. We couldn't afford pay-per-views. So we'd always watch Raw when it came on, and I think I remember that. Uh-huh. I think right. I remember watching that with him because he was big into pro wrestling and Ric Flair and I just couldn't yeah. care less. It was something I watched to try to get to know the guy. Sure. <laughs> it, it was TV too. I'm sure yeah, that's it was entertaining. It was TV time. As, a, as an 11 year old, hey, TV time, it's entertaining. <laughs> but I remember. I must like this. I know yeah. <laughs> it didn't stick, obviously. That's why we're doing a novice's guide. So, but so what's next up on your list? (laughs) Okay. So next up, this is again, not a match that I picked because of its match quality. Um, Well, I guess 
once if you watch this match, you'll you'll love it for the entertainment quality. Uh, this is a matchup that was decades in the making. SummerSlam 2005, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. Yes, the Immortal Hulk Hogan, the legend from the from the eighties, nineties, versus the Heartbreak Kid, who has gone down in history regarded as the greatest sports entertainer wrestler of all time. And the backstory with this is you had Hulk Hogan, who you know dominated the eighties into the nineties over in WCW, but eighties in WWF, uh, he was the biggest, you know man in the company whether you look at his you know stature but also just how important he was in the company uh he battled other guys like you know andre the giant king kong bundy these big giants and then you had mm-hmm. other wrestlers like Shawn michaels bret hart these were your smaller people that were like around your five ten to six foot one area hogan of course six foot three six foot four whatever he was billed as and uh yeah you had Smaller guys that you were looked at as, oh, you can't be a champion. You're you're tiny. It's like it doesn't matter how big a or small a guy is if they've got the ring skills and the mic skills, they could be a champion in my opinion. And so that was what this was kind of a you know eighties nineties uh, you know versus nineties two thousands kind of thing. Uh, but the fun part about this was Hogan, of course, famously didn't like to job. For a lot of people, unless he, you know, felt it was actually necessary, so he didn't like to lay down for smaller guys a lot. Uh, Hogan also always had creative control during his uh, WWF and WCW runs, so again, he wasn't going to job for anybody or lay down for anyone. Uh, Shawn Michaels, of course, famously as well, didn't touch people either, so this was going to be an interesting, you know, outcome either way. And uh, the fun part for me, though, is the whole buildup. You had Shawn Michaels turn heel briefly to make Hogan, you know, be the ultimate babyface in this uh, feud, even though people are still going to cheer for whoever they're going to cheer for. Uh, the whole babyface heel thing has really, you know, gone away in the last 15 years or so, ever since Stone Cold, or Stone Cold was kind of that great character where he was doing all these bad things, but people were cheering for him. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> he's supposed to be bad, but people like him. What, what's going on here? But the fun part for me about this matchup was Shawn Michaels leading up to the match. They did a video segment where they did a mock Larry King episode of, uh, of his talk show. Yeah, they, oh, they, no. they brought in a guy to look like Larry King and they set up a Larry King style uh, studio and they had Shawn Michaels dress up like Hulk Hogan and impersonate Hogan throughout the entire interview segment. It was it's just comedy gold you have to go watch it it's probably on youtube somewhere um, wow yeah it was hilarious uh but the match itself <laughs> okay hulk hogan at this time i think he was probably mid mid 50s or so i don't know how old he is right now but he was easily in his 50s and uh should not be wrestling at this point okay his body's been beat up and banged up for so long anyways and Shawn Michaels was still on a good run here. He didn't retire officially until 2010, so he still had another five years before he was going to leave. And when mm-hmm. he retired, he could have still kept wrestling. He was, you know, not slowing down at all. Uh, but this match is famous because the entire match, Shawn Michaels uh, is flopping around like a fish out of water, uh, selling over the top everything. If if Hogan punches him, Shawn Michaels goes backwards six flips in a row before he lands. Um, Hogan, he's famous for doing a, uh, when, you know, like leading up to his last move, he'll, he'll punch somebody three times in the head, throw them into the ropes, give him a big boot to the face. When he did that to Sean, he big boots Sean in the face. Sean goes straight to his back, stands up, spins around and does a flip and then lands on his back again. (laughs) (laughs) The blatant disrespect. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he just he made sure to oversell everything in the match, and it, it was just comedy gold because you knew Sean was doing it on purpose. And once you're in the ring, there's nothing you can do. It's not like Hogan could stop the match and be like, "All right, brother, you know, I know what you're doing. We got to stop this. Let's redo it." It's like, no, you're in front of the live audience and it's live peer review. You can't stop. You just have to let him do what he's going to do. And originally, they did plan to have a series of like three matches. They were going to do like 
the next three pay-per-views they're going to have rematches. Uh, but this was the one and only time they had a match. Bec- I think most likely because of how ridiculous Shawn Michaels, you know, made Hogan look by overselling everything. I mean, if you don't oversell it, no one's going to believe it. But I can, I can understand his technique a bit. And I wish I could oversell things the same way. <laughs> what's next uh the next one on my list i have uh summerslam 2011 we have champion Ooh. versus champion cm punk versus john cena and oh, so... they're both they're both the wwe champion in, in this match wait how what so cm punk had his uh contract ending in, uh, just a couple months prior to this in real life his contract was ending and they scheduled a uh, title match against John Cena, who was the champ at the time. And the gimmick they put into the real storyline was, okay, today is actually CM Punk's last day with the company. If he wins tonight, he actually will leave with the title. So Cena has to win. He can't lose or else you know, CM Punk's going to get the belt and he can leave and they can't do anything about it. Uh, about, uh, a, about a month prior to the pay-per-view, we had CM Punk's famous pipe bomb promo. What that means is he came out while Cena was laid out in the ring. Uh, Punk gets on the mic and he just goes on a big rant complaining about everything that's wrong with WWE. He name drops a lot of people like Triple H and Vince. Yeah, he pulled the curtain back basically showing all the things that are wrong with the company. And you're kind of like, what you're watching at home going like, oh my gosh, how are they letting him say this stuff? And get away with this, you know. And eventually they cut him. all the tea. <laughs> he was spilling all the tea. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he just, he talked everything he wanted to say until they cut his microphone. So then we go to Money in the Bank. That was the pay-per-view that they were having the match at. Punk wins the match and leaves the building. He As soon as he won the title, he runs into the audience and ran out of the building with the title. And then he was gone for a couple weeks. On Raw, Cena wrestled Rey Mysterio for the vacant title because they had to have a new title, you know, crown. And Cena won the match. And as soon as the match is over, he's celebrating in the ring. His music stops. And all of a sudden you hear, I uh, uh, forget the name of the band, but you hear Cult of Personality play. That's the uh, theme song. And uh, out walks CM Punk. And you're like, what's going on? How's CM Punk back? He's been gone for a few weeks and he's got the title around his waist. And they announced we're going to have champion versus champion at SummerSlam and winner take all. And it was an amazing match. It was a great match. The only bad thing is after the match ended, Punk won. So he was your undisputed champion then. Only bad thing is as soon as that match ended and you have Punk as the like number one guy in the company now, he is, you know, huge fan favorite. The storyline was amazing. People loved it. Then they had somebody come in and bring in the Money in the Bank briefcase, cash in. Triple H, who was the ref for the match, uh, pedigrees Punk in the ring and helps the uh, Money in the Bank winner cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase, which is, uh, allows you to get a title shot anytime. You... And he won the title right then, so it killed the momentum right there that Punk was on. <laughs> yeah. That is intense. I... Yep. Yep, I just yep. can't. I just can't imagine how everyone else must have felt like for CM Punk to be gone, like belt and all, and then for him to come back and be like, "Yep, still me, out again, peace out." Well, see, this is like the one of the biggest complaints I have with how you get a great storyline every so often, but they want to rush everything, and I like when things happen more organically. I like it whenever a wrestler comes in and the crowd, just something about that person, male or female, is like, you know what, they've got something that I like. I don't know if it's their charisma, the way they carry themselves, whatever. Something attracts you to the personality that they're portraying. But then they try to just force someone down your throat and be like, no, 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 we want you to like this guy. Here, here, well, no, no, this is the one we want you to actually cheer for. And it's like, uh, I'm not going to cheer for them any more at all now. 
because you want me to do that. I want to choose who I like or whatnot. And uh, yeah, this gimmick, this story that they did, uh, it's been called it's been called the Summer of Punk because it was you know a big long summer long storyline. They previously did something like this in Ring of Honor when CM Punk was there in two thousand five, I believe. They did a little similar uh, story to uh, it's kind of the same story, uh, and then WWE replicated it, of course, but on a bigger stage. And it was awesome because during that two week period when Punk was gone, uh, he would be posting things on social media of him just walking around Chicago with the title, like just walking around in street clothes. Uh, there were people that would, you know, see him walking around famous areas or landmarks around Chicago, uh, just taking pictures with the title belt as a way of rubbing it in, you know, storyline. It was, you know, a way to rub it in Vince McMahon's face. Like, Hey, look what I got. I got your title just walking around in the building. Oh, look, I can throw it into the river if I want to, or just things like that it would be, you know, awesome. Just keep it going. But they wanted to quickly change direction once again and drop what was like their hottest storyline. It makes no sense. Sounds like bad marketing. Yep. <laughs> what? What is our next one? Okay, next one is, I believe we talked about this one, yes. Uh, the next one on my list was uh, SummerSlam 1994 WWF title match, steel cage match, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Yeah, we covered that one, I believe, part one? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so if you want to catch up and hear his thoughts on that, you can go back and listen to part one, and it's actually on his YouTube channel, so you can also go to check him out on YouTube and check out part one, and I think part two will be up on there eventually as well, so you can check up out what you missed there as well. So what's next up on your list, Mr. Junkie? Okay, so for number three, I actually uh, picked I picked two that I want to talk about real quick. Um, one we already covered, but it had to make my list along with this other match because they're both tag team title matches. That's why I just decided to put them both as my number three. Okay. So we already talked about SummerSlam 2000, TLC, Triple Threat Tag Team title match, Hardy Boys versus Dudleys versus Edge and Christian, and how amazing that, that match was. Yes. But the other tag, my, tag title match I wanted to talk about for my number three is from SummerSlam 1990. It is a two out of three falls match. And it is the Hart Foundation of Bret Hart and Jim DeAnvil Neidhart, brother-in-laws, of course, versus the uh, team of Demolition of uh, Axe and Smash. But there's actually a third member of Demolition involved here uh, called Crush. So you have three members there. Okay. And this matchup was great because you had two of the greatest tag teams of all time, Hart Foundation and Demolition. During the matchup, you have... The debut of the Legion of Doom, also known as the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Uh, they just come into WWF, and uh, they kind of did some distractions uh, ringside to help out with uh, one of the falls. Uh, but it was a two out of three falls match. Those were very common on pay-per-view. You'd see that at house shows. And uh, two out of three falls, what that means is you have to win two out of the three matches. So you have three matches, possibly, um, if one team wins two matches in a row, then they're the winner. So same thing. If you win one match each, then you have to have a deciding matchup to, you know, figure out who wins the last one. So yeah, it's the yeah. best two out of three. Gotcha. Exactly. You know, usual rock, paper, scissors rules. Got it. Rock, there paper, you go. scissors, lizard, Spock. It's a very complicated game. I don't know if wrestlers could handle it. I don't know if I could handle it. I don't think I could either. But it's also a Big Bang Theory reference, so I know it really, it really speaks to where we're at in our lives right now, and I'm ashamed. Hey, hey, hey listen, listen, nerds, we're talking about wrestling. <laughs> okay, God. All right. The way well, to bring it back. Let's go. <laughs> All right, wrestle me up. What's next? All right, so for my number two, obviously, uh, it's going to be easy to tell from the previous discussions we've had. Number two, I have the SummerSlam '92 IC title match. Bret Hart versus British Bulldog for all the craziness that was involved behind the scenes. And then the match they were able to pull off was incredible, especially based on the condition that Bulldog was in and the, just the, the massive crowd 
being in Wembley Stadium, I mean, there's just you know so many elements of this matchup that were great. It was the first uh, WWF pay review. No, I'm sorry, no. WrestleMania six was the first one outside of the country. Oh well, WrestleMania six took place in Canada, in Toronto. So it was the first one outside of North America as far as US. But the first one overseas was SummerSlam ninety two. That was the first time they'd ever had a pay per view outside of the continent of you of the, you know, North American continent, whatever. So yeah, it was very interesting on a lot of levels. Okay. And yeah. More on the more of talk on that's in well the previous episode yep so and what's number one for mr junkie and number one for me is the SummerSlam 91 intercontinental title match mr perfect versus bret hart now obviously we talked about both of these already the 92 and the 91 SummerSlam matches and i know wwe on their list they've put bulldog and bret hart as number one and i have perfect and bret hart as number one the reason for me would be, uh, first, I saw that match first, obviously, because it came out, it was in 91, and I just think the match is incredible between two of my favorite of all time, Rick and Bret Hart. I was a huge fan of both. I got to see Bret Hart go from tag champion to intercontinental champion to later world champion. Perfect. Uh, I just thought his over-the-top charisma, the way he would sell to make anybody look like a million bucks, I mean, he just, he, he was untouchable as as a performer i thought so and then finally as well what we talked about getting to actually talk about this match with bret hart in person was uh, an amazing you know moment to remember too so are you saying that your personal experience has skewered your list based on your own biases <gasps> what shocking a little scandalous don't you think <laughs> very much so Oh, you heard it here for first, folks. We got the scandals on our pro wrestler junkie here. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. I guess that brings us to this year's airing of SummerSlam. And are there any matches you're looking forward to? There's or a couple that stand out that I think will definitely be entertaining. Um, so let's see. There's there's the singles. Okay, there's the match between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. Uh, the stipulation is if Kevin Owens loses, he will quit WWE. Uh, they've been making Kevin Owens into kind of like this generation's Stone Cold. They've had him coming in, uh, cutting some really uh, just uh, shoot-style uh, promos, meaning he's again saying things that you shouldn't necessarily say. Pulling the curtain back and talking about backstage stuff that should kept you know be kept backstage, but you're talking about it out in the open. Uh, Shane McMahon, uh, he's become Vince McMahon from the Attitude Era, where he's now the you know, hey, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. Kevin Owens is Stone Cold. It's they're really you know emulating. The Austin McMahon feud from 20 years ago with Owens and Shane McMahon. Are they trying to possibly bring back that Attitude Era feel? <clears throat> I think that there's uh, a lot of that going on right now. There's people in uh, there's people that have been hired back recently for different positions, including uh, Paul Heyman, who's already been an on-screen character because he's Brock Lesnar's manager on on uh, on the show. But right. Hay- Heyman has been hired now as a uh, producer for uh, Monday Night Raw. So he's actually going to be in charge of, you know, hey, this is what stories we need to tell, matches we need to have. Now, keep in mind, of course, everything still goes through Vince. Vince still has the final say on anything that goes on the show. But Paul Heyman, of course, famous for ECW, and he was a huge part of the Attitude Era. And then SmackDown, you have uh, Eric Bischoff, who used to work for WCW. He's now a producer for uh, SmackDown. So they're going to be the two running those shows. Uh, and you have you know big names from the Attitude Era. And you have people seeing little bits of changes where you, you've seen a little bit more uh, colorful language. Like they'll throw out 
you know, random, like, oh, you know, they'll say bitch a few times or they'll say shit a few times. And then, you know, they don't usually try to cater to, towards kids, but you're seeing some cursing. You see maybe a little extra violence with like a, a hardcore match. You know, they use a little too many of the weapons sometimes, the last pay review. So it makes you think that they're trying to at least dirty it up a little bit while still keeping the stockholders happy because they don't want that stuff, even though it's like, why why are you investing in this company if you don't want them gotcha. to, to do things that make the money? I don't <laughs> okay. Know. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be interested to maybe see what that could evolve into because, like I said, I liked the Attitude Era as a kid. Now, as a, as an adult, I might not like it as much, but I'm, I'm, I'll go into it with an open mind and check that out. Well, there's, talk um, about, there's talk about that because we talked about the possible uh, competition, if there's a uh, you know viable competition for WWE, which because of how much of a global you know dominance they have on everywhere, WWE's not really you know in any danger. But you do have the possibility with AEW coming around where they could be you know a possible competitor. I mean, no matter what, you're if you're a wrestling company competitor just because you're in the same business you know just because you're a mom and pop shop that sells shoes you still have walmart to contend with because they sell shoes as well even if you're not in direct competition you still are because you'll sell the same stuff right and you're you know these two companies sell wrestling but aw is you know been looked at as okay here's our chance to finally have somebody dethrone wwe which i'm like they're not going to dethrone wwe they're going to offer a different product and if you enjoy their product, then go enjoy their product because there's lots of people that stopped watch, watching wrestling once WWE bought out all the competition, WCW, ECW, etc. There's lots of people that stopped watching wrestling because of that because they were only fans of WCW and ECW. So, yeah, you have other uh, fans that are going to now come back maybe because they're like, I never liked WWF, or WWF, WCW was my go-to. So... Now I have another chance to watch wrestling that I'll take it. Right. Yeah. So. So next up, so I'm going to have some questions coming up here in a second with this next match. I'm going to read it off to you. I'll get your opinion on it, but I'm going to have a question. Okay. Okay. I see there's a couple of belts here. Like I see three belts on the screen. Okay. So Kofi Kingston, WWE champion versus Randy Orton. So. Is the belt on the line for this match? Yes, it's the WWE Championship, which is... That is the main title. That is in the same lineage as the title that John Cena won, Stone Cold won, Hogan, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Okay, so that's that's the title above all titles. That is supposed to be the main title. Sadly, it's kind of taken a backseat to the other title that is on the card, the Universal title. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to one day have to talk about all these title belts because I think we, we were talking off air about just how many of them there were. Yeah. So, so many belts and for people that don't always wear pants, to me it doesn't make sense. I know, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're fighting for belts, we don't wear pants. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> Fun stuff. But so is there like bad blood to this match or anything going into it or um any storylines? <laughs> well, okay, so first of all, I'll put it on the record. I mean, anybody that has ever listened to anything I say about wrestling and is listening to this show already knows I am not a fan of Randy Orton one bit. I think he's one of the most embarrassing employees to ever work for the company. I don't call him a wrestler, I call him an employee because he is not a wrestler in my opinion, because I've never seen a good match at all that he didn't get carried through. That's Ooh. just my little that's my little rant right there. I can go on. Shots fired. On bow, bow, bow. Yeah. Well, I well, I have no respect for Randy Orton as a person. Uh he joined the Marines and went AWOL. So I have no no uh respect for him at all. I thought his name sounded familiar. Yeah. And the only reason he has a job is his daddy. Okay, there we go. One more one more little shot out there. <laughs> Just had okay. to get that last one in. Just feel better. Yes, very much so. It's okay. very therapeutic. We're, we're, we're accomplishing things here. Yes, welcome yeah, to a thing. spelling is one of the best things. <laughs> but so this one right here, uh, Kofi Kingston. Now, 
um, if you watch a current episode of SmackDown that that you know, he's on, uh, you'll notice he talks just like a regular person. Okay, he's he's an African American person, but he just has a normal voice. Okay, he speaks very clearly and fluently. But you notice the Kingston on the name, and if you go back ten years ago, uh, his gimmick was that he was a Jamaican character with a heavy Jamaican accent, and he's lost that since they. You know, he, he was never Jamaican, <laughs> but they just, uh, that was his gimmick. He came out as, you know, he reminded me of that, the fighter on like uh, Tekken, the early games. I forget which one, but that's kind of what his outfit and his attire kind of looked like. He looked like a Tekken fighter, really. Gotcha. And the gimmick, was, or not the gimmick, but in uh, in real life, uh, 10 years ago, uh, Kofi, uh, I mean, he's a great wrestler. Uh, he's been a great wrestler for years, but sadly, he should have been champion 10 years ago uh he he was uh intercontinental champion u.s champion uh tag team champion with a few different people and then in uh in 2009 they started a storyline between him and and they had a couple of moments on raw where uh king uh kingston like did a did like a giant leg drop on orton through a table they were leading up to a matchup at some pay-per-view and there was a moment during a match on Raw where Orton is famous for this, where he will break the fourth wall, not not uh, as part of the story or part of the script. If something goes wrong, you have professional wrestlers that will, you know, be able to make adjustments on the fly and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we we made an error. Okay, we can we can adjust know, oh, and we'll go we can into adjust this or." We can reset without making it obvious to the audience that we made the mistake. You know, you should always make it seem like you did everything on yeah. purpose. And that always comes with practice of working with someone beforehand and practicing. Exactly. Well, Orton, he would just flat out, you know, throw his, throw his hands in the air and be like, oh, damn it. That looks stupid. It's like, dude, we're still in the middle of a match when people are watching. Like, you know, get back in the game here. Uh, so he's King- the reason people said wrestling is fake. Exactly. King, uh, Kofi no, did... No, yeah, please blame Orton. Yes, <laughs> Hash, hashtag blame Orton. Make that a trend. Let's I think on everything we post that's bad. It's just every <laughs> bad thing from now on in the thing. The thing's going to be if it's bad, hashtag blame Orton. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Uh, so famously, there was a moment in, in a Raw match where I think it was like a six-man tag match, something like that. And Kingston did a move, but Orton didn't get it right. Something was Something was mistimed. And Orton stands up and he was he gets pissed off in the ring and he starts uh, yelling stupid stupid at Kingston and then you know they they get back into the the fold but you could tell that was not right that wasn't part of the the match or the script another time uh, there's a moment in a segment where Orton was like attacking somebody and Kofi's music hits and you've you've had this moment happen before where you're like oh no the guy's going to come and jump me or attack me or he's going to get me for what I did wrong. And Orton turns to look at the, the stage and then he turns to the hard camera and throws his arms up in the air like, well, where is he? Is he coming out? What's going on? And it was like they were letting it build up. You dumbass, okay? The music hits. The crowd's going to be like, oh, here comes our guy. But Orton couldn't, you know, hold it, you know, couldn't hold on for a few minutes. And uh, yeah, just he's done that so many times, different things. It's It's annoying. So do you think he does that based on his quote-unquote pedigree, so to speak? I think he does it because he, he's, he seems like he's been pretty much untouchable. I mean, this guy is, uh, he's been, at least two times they've made it public, he's failed a uh, drug test. Um, one I know was uh, for marijuana, which is a lot more lenient than it used to be. It used to be that would be a more, you know, serious violation nowadays of course everything's getting more lenient with all the different states that have legalized it and so forth i understand that but uh i don't know what other things he's been in violation for for the other one but he was he failed at least two drug tests where he was you know supposedly suspended he seemed like he was gone two weeks and back um he's constantly had people telling you know stories about him throwing fits backstage or being you know unprofessional and rude to uh fans and so think you know so many things like that it's just yeah i never hear anything great about the guy myself but ah so he's a yeah. punk hashtag blame morton 
Yes. But so this storyline here, uh, I really don't know why they have Orton facing Kingston for the title. Um, Kofi is still part of the, the gimmick uh, faction called New Day, which I've I've been like hoping New Day would split up. It's just uh, three uh, three single stars put together that come out throwing pancakes at the fans. Don't they dress up in costumes too? They'll, they'll they have, yeah. I mean, they'll ra- randomly wear weird outfits at times, or they'll their normal wrestling attire. They'll change the the the, the uh, colors and. Are they the ones who came out wearing Dragon Ball Z armor? The yes. Saiyan armor? That's what yes. I thought. That's why I liked that name. Yeah, they came out wearing Saiyan armor, and that was awesome. Yeah, That's fantastic. Now, I do have a I have a novice question. Yes. Why, why pancakes? I have no pancakes? clue. <laughs> they started just doing roll that with it. at, Summer, at uh, Survivor Series. When, when Survivor Series was here in Houston in... Uh, in 2017, I was there. I went to that show. I went to the NXT show the night before. Man, I, they came out throwing pancakes to the audience, and people around me were like, why are they throwing pancakes? What, what did, it, did I not see SmackDown this week? What happened? And Were the pancakes just, any good? I don't know, but I find it disgusting that they're throwing them into the audience, and people are like eating them, and usually they're pulling them from their tights. I mean, like, like Kofi Kingston is the WWF champion, so he's got the title around his waist, right? Okay. When he comes, when he comes out, he's pulling pancakes that he has shoved between his gut and the belt. I mean, to each his own. I won't kink shame. Yeah. No. No. I I don't need a I don't need a a waist pancake. No, thank you. So, this next match, the Queen of Hearts, who's. I, you're gonna have to explain this one to me. Who versus who is this one? Uh, are you talking about the Raw Women's Title match? Yes. Okay, that's the Natalia. Natalia is actually Natalia Nightheart, and that's the daughter of Jim Diablo Nightheart. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she, of course, you know, member of the famous Hart family. Uh, her uncle is Bret Hart. Um, mm-hmm. she's challenging Becky Lynch, the man. <laughs> okay. That that is her gimmick now. She is Becky Lynch, the man. Uh, is she, she like a boss in WWE? She's supposed like to Triple basically... H is the game. Uh, well, she was supposed to be like the the female Stone Cold. Uh, about a year and a half ago, they started her uh, her gimmick was the man. Uh, it's kind of watered down now, but she was coming out acting like a badass, just you know doing whatever she wants, kind of thing, kind of like Stone Cold used to do. But uh, this. Huh? I see. I hear that, and that just makes me think about how China got cheated out of a match, you know, against like Stone Cold, and then she's running around. Oh, I'm the man, and I feel like part of that is to, you know, try to fight the boys. But that's right. just me. But this match, I mean, Becky Lynch, she won the women's. She won both the Raw and SmackDown women's titles. At uh, WrestleMania this year, uh, there was a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey was the Raw champ, and mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte was the SmackDown champ. It was winner take all. Whoever won the match would win both titles, and Becky won both the belts from the same time. But uh, yeah, this match, unfortunately, both women's matches, the champions, they did the same thing for the champions, where the champion would come out and say, Okay, uh, I'm gonna choose this person to uh, fight for my title, and I'm like, why is the champion going out and saying, "Hey, I want you for my my belt"? Shouldn't there be people going, "Hey, I want to fight you and win the belt. I want to win the title." Like, it makes sense to me. You choose your worthy successor if they win. That's not quite how I figured that that would go. I figured it would be, "Hey, I'm challenging you for your title because I think I'm better than you." Yeah. That's not Which... that's not enough tea for me. It's like I want you to fight me because I can beat you instead of like I'm taking you down. Oh, but you know, coincidentally, uh, Becky Lynch, her original gimmick was to be like, "Oh, it's tea time. It's time for tea." That would be her. Yep, oh, my kind of my kind of lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that brings us to what I guess is the headlining match. Brock yes. Lesnar and Seth Rollins for the Universal okay. title. 
Yes, the universe. The, no, no, no. This is the prestigious universal title. It has been around almost four years. <laughs> oh wow! So, so it's I like mean, the newest belt, and it's the best belt. It, I mean, it looks just like, like when a, it looks just like, like a giant a... fruit roll-up. It's just so ridiculous. Oh no! Okay, it's just like when you you're a do. kid, and like you're like, oh well, you know, now I got this like new cool thing, and it's like way better than yours, and like. It also like counteracts everything that you do me, so I win. So, <laughs> is the Universal title supposed to be like over both SmackDown and Raw and all that, or? Well, so okay, we know about the brand split. They did a brand split back in the early two thousands because they had so many people when they took over ECW and WCW. They had yeah. so many people. They had to split up the brand so they could have Raw and SmackDown. And originally, for a few, for like a few years, you had uh, every other pay per view would be a Raw pay per view, and then the other would be a SmackDown pay per view. So, if you want to see the wrestlers on SmackDown in a pay per view, you had to watch that pay per view, and then the next pay per view would be a Raw only one. Then SmackDown, etc. Pick your faction, whichever one you like better. Right. Except. Gotcha. Right. And then eventually, maybe at a Survivor Series or something, they would eventually do like Raw Superstar versus a SmackDown Superstar. So if you wanted to see whoever was on that show exclusively versus another exclusive one on the other show, that was your one chance to see that. And they used to make that the the gimmick was, oh, this is the one time you'll see these two wrestlers fight because they're on opposing shows. So that was the gimmick, except it didn't work because one, you're trying to get people to pay, you know, forty fifty dollars uh, for each pay per view, and it just was a mess because people don't have that kind of money to just buy every pay per view. Um, so they declared a champion for each show. They had a world title on each one. They had the WWE title, and they created the world heavyweight title in 2003, uh, 2002, which okay. actually was just the old WCW belt. And later on in 2000, I want to say 2009, they unified the belts, the main two titles, and then they created the... Uh, the the current WWE championship belt and said, okay, this is now the current main title. And then for a couple of years, they got, you know, they got rid of the brand split. And so the champion was on both shows. Mm-hmm. Then they decided we're going to do the brand split again, because we have, you know, too many stars or whatever on, you know, on the roster and not everyone's getting enough TV time. So they split them up again. And again, they came up with a new belt and people were like, just bring the old WCW belt back because that's what we liked. But no, they came out with this new Universal title, which all it is is the belts look identical, except one's got a black strap, the other one's got a red strap. That's the difference. And uh, sadly, this belt, the first champion was Finn Balor. He wrestled Seth Rollins at the 2014 SummerSlam. Great mm-hmm. match. Unfortunately, uh, Balor got injured during that match and had to forfeit the title the next night because he, he legit, legitimately had an injury that he had to go for several months. Then they had uh, Kevin Owens win the and Kevin Owens, amazing. He was a great champion. And then they said, hey, let's bring Goldberg back because oh, they wanted geez. to pop a rating. And they had Goldberg squash Kevin Owens after he'd been champion for like eight or nine months and it was a great title run. They had Goldberg squash him in like a minute because can't wrestle more than two minutes it's goldberg it's goldberg it's goldberg 20 years after the attitude era he really can't wrestle more than two minutes <laughs> yeah his doctor says no otherwise he's gonna need a placement he's really not a technical wrestler he wrestler he is just there to be strong and big i'll, <laughs> I'll give you a full rundown of what's expected of goldberg he will headbutt a locker in the back room if he can stumble out to the ring he will do a spear and a very poor suplex, which is called the jackhammer. Um, and that's it. That's that's a Goldberg match. And book him and pay him. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Accurate. And uh, they had Goldberg win the title just because they wanted Brock Lesnar to wrestle Goldberg at WrestleMania. And, <laughs> okay. uh, and the thing is, is Brock Lesnar, when he wins the title, they think, they think still to this day, that Lesnar is so huge a name because of his you know, UFC run uh, that it's you know money making to have him show up at the pay reviews as the champion. Yet Lesnar does not wrestle 
except at a pay-per-view. He only wrestles at a pay-per-view, and he doesn't wrestle at every pay-per-view. He'll show up maybe six pay-per-views out of the 12 a year. Maybe the big ones, and that's it. Yeah, the, he'll I show up at money. the four big hmm. ones, and then maybe two others, maybe, yeah. Hmm. I need money. And, I want Ferrari. <laughs> and he doesn't even, and he doesn't wrestle on TV at all. He hasn't wrestled on TV since he came back. He used to wrestle on TV before he left in 2004. But ever since 2012, he's not wrestled on TV once. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Yep. And once again, they had him win the title just a couple of months ago at uh, Money in the Bank. Or, I'm sorry, at uh, Extreme Rules. He won the uh, won the title back, so yeah. Okay. So would you say this is a good lineup? As a full card, I'm intrigued by a couple of matches. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor one, Kevin Owens versus Shane. Um, Becky Lynch versus Natalia will be good. I I don't care for how so many people give Natalia a hard time. They a lot of people hate on Natalia for some reason, but I'm a fan. I like her a lot, and I think her and Becky Lynch can put on a great match. Natalia promo skills need work, but she's a great wrestler. Okay. Um, but uh, also AJ Styles versus Ricochet for the U.S. title that should steal the show. Those two are in, insane in the ring, so they they should definitely put on a good match. Okay. So yeah, and if you want to hear any predictions about what'll happen, make sure to pop over to Mr. Junkie's channel and he'll have all that content there for you on it. Yes, I'll be doing my predictions uh the week leading up to SummerSlam. I'll be doing my weekly or I should say uh monthly predictions episode where I'll share all my predictions on the card and people can post questions on Twitter to have me answer any topics or questions. And then following SummerSlam that evening, I'll be posting my full spoilers results and recap of SummerSlam and share with them my thoughts on the choices they made that night. Awesome. Well, sounds like you've got a, a full lineup for everyone to make sure they go and check out. You don't want to miss it. And I think with that, we're going to draw our novice's guide to SummerSlam to a close. Uh, Mr. Junkie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, this is uh, obviously a topic I'm uh, very passionate about, and it was great to share my uh, little bit of knowledge I've had on the uh, subject with uh, the two of y'all, and I hope you got a little something out of it. Yes, I learned so much over the course of our conversations. So. The... I have more questions now than I did before coming in, but I guess that's why we're doing an office's guide. Um, hopefully you'll, you'll join us again and maybe we can dive into all of these belts a little bit. Yeah. Lots of belts. I got questions about the belts. Yes. That'd be a fun, fun topic to talk about. Definitely. So yeah, until then, um, um, back to your regularly, regularly scheduled thing.